What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? Can you help? Can you help? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Self-Helpless Podcast. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Delaney Fisher. And today we're going to do an episode on being adult children of divorce and the pros and cons of that situation. Absolutely. I mean, this is going to be, I can feel it. It's going to be a thick one. (laughs) It is going to be a thick one. (laughs) It's going to be meaty. Usually Um, you say juicy and I do feel that thick is a better adjective for what yes this episode might be it's, it's yes. gonna be thick exactly yeah we're gonna grizzly, cover a lot of ground hard to <laughs> chew through <laughs> grab your knives folks because <laughs> it's gonna be a thick one um yeah no i'm i'm really uh, uh i'm strangely looking forward to this episode because i feel oh, like it's okay. gonna be cathartic for us but i also know it's, it might be a little heavy too yeah it's like yeah. all of it I, when I was making my list of the pros and cons for myself, it was kind of nice to realize that there are good things that come from it. Yeah. It's not absolutely. just a negative impact on you. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into it. Before yeah. we do, this episode is coming out on Monday, October 9th, which means that I would have just been in Spokane, my hometown for shows at Spokane Comedy Club. I hope they were fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Thank you for coming out if you did. And then this weekend, I'm going to be part of the 10,000 Laughs Festival in Minneapolis. I'm, I'm doing fun. a solo show. Chad and I are doing a show together. Um, I'm going to be opening for Fortune Feimster on a show oh, in a, what, what theater is it? I'm opening for her in a theater this weekend. It's going to be fantastic. I mean, we're recording this in advance, so uh it's still a little ways away in real time but I I can't wait I think it's gonna be really fun so that is 
thank you. That is this weekend. And then I'll be in Cleveland the weekend after that. Uh, the rest of the year, I'm in Grand Rapids, D.C., Nashville, Huntsville, Atlanta, Boston, and Tampa. So KelseyCook.com for all the tickets, please. Fabulous. And if you're looking for another podcast to throw in your queue, I'd love to invite you over to my private podcast called Career Crush. You can find it at my website, DelaneyFisher.com. Although it's a private show, it's completely free. There's no fees or anything like that. And we just talk about finding the right career path, uh, transition, lifestyle, creative expression, whatever that, you know, makes all of us happy and how to kind of, um, like ease in and out of different things when they stop making you happy, all that stuff. So whether you're considering like a a career pivot or you really enjoy your job, but you want to add like some kind of, uh, I don't know, side project or something, maybe you've always wanted to write music or you want to start a podcast or whatever it is. Um, we just talk about all of that over there. And I'm just getting to connect with the people, like people just doing the coolest stuff all over the world, all different paths that you would have never thought existed. And um, it's just been really, I feel like really healing for myself. Like I'm not doing it. I don't make money doing it. That should tell you something, right? Like I do it because I really love it and I get so much out of it. And hearing, you know, that my email list gets so much out of it too, is just, it's just making me really happy. I have no idea where it's going. So I'm kind of on my own different, like a new career trajectory for myself as well, along with, you know, anybody else, anybody else who's kind of feeling like they need to change, but um, yeah, just come on over. You might get something from it, whether it's an idea for a hobby, a career move, a lifestyle change. And um, yeah, I've just been loving it so much. So yeah, DelaneyFisher.com would love to have you over there. Yay. Yes. All right. You have some quotes. I do. We do have a bit of a quotable buffet um, for this episode. We had a very funny moment. Kelsey thought of an incredible quote, but it was from a very awful person. So we can't say it. It was such a bummer. It was like such a a bummer. (laughs) Such a great quote for this topic. Yes. From a person who's canceled. And we were like, well, shit. shit so we got some other fabulous ones um this is from jennifer weiner and it says divorce isn't such a tragedy a tragedy staying in an unhappy marriage teaching your children the wrong things about love nobody ever died of divorce very interesting perspective you know i mean yeah that's again it's just such a big gray area this whole thing is such a gray area yeah um, she did not mince words with that one that's no like a- that <laughs> gets right to it. Exactly. Nobody has died from divorce. Yeah. Whew. Um, this is from Helen Boland. It says, when two people decide to get a divorce, it isn't a sign that they don't understand one another, but a sign that they have at least begun to. Mm. That is interesting. Like, yeah, the yeah. beginning of understanding, like, you know what? I, we are not a good fit for each other. Right. We need something different. Right. Yeah. That is an understanding of, of one another, which is yes. weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so backward. Yes. And then the last one we found, uh, Dr. Laura Schlesinger, this says, don't spend too much time beating on a wall, hoping it will transform into a door. <laughs> Ooh, that's just great life advice, no matter what you might be going through. <laughs> God yeah. damn. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think that one is so applicable for relationships Mm -hmm. it's like 
that other quote we love where it's, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Yes. Man, we should have put that one in our top quotes episode. Oh, yeah. That's a good that's one. That's such a good one. It's but fantastic. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think people can change for the better if they want to. Right. But you can't make people change. Right. And I feel like it's important, you know, for us to say in this episode, like, we love our parents. We're not, you know, we, you know, they did the best they could with what they had at the time. There has been a lot of pain that comes from divorce naturally, but also so much positive that comes out of it. It's kind of both things. Um, And I know for my, I'm speak for myself where I am so grateful that my parents got a divorce, even though it has it has affected how I view relationships and it has affected, it has impacted me. Yeah. Um, I could not imagine them having stayed together. And I'm really grateful that they made that tough decision to, to separate yeah. and, and you kind of move on. So, yeah. you know, I just, I know this is a tough topic for people, whether you are a child of divorce or you're going through one or you're considering one, or you've been through one and there's kids involved. Like, yeah. It's not a night. It's not a neat little pretty package. No, no. And one of my friends told me at a certain point in my life that uh, going through the end of a relationship, it will only get harder the longer the relationship goes on. And mm-hmm. so I think that the quote you were talking about in the beginning of nobody's died of divorce, it's like there is so much fear around divorce that yeah. people people will resist it for so long and I think people have to find that balance between like really doing everything they can in a relationship to feel that they've given it their all and also knowing when like this no longer is the right fit definitely I resonate with that like if Cam and I ever get divorced it's because we have exhausted every single option and there is nothing left and I feel like coming not only coming from divorce myself but coming from um you know, family and, and all that network, my network where divorce is very rampant. It's just, it's yeah. very much the norm on my side. It's not so much the norm on Cam's side. Um, it, I think it really instilled in me that I do want to, you know, face, uh, you know, cover all options Yeah, because I've seen it happen so much yeah. um, where I don't know if everybody has maybe that um, going into it so strongly. Yeah. Yeah. Divorce is not a death sentence, but you also don't want to take divorce lightly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, you can, there's a million articles out there for everybody to read, but you know, some of the impacts that a divorce can have on a child, depending on the age the kids are and all that kind of stuff, you might find that they're having some issues in school. There's some kind of, you know, uh, poor performance in their academics, maybe loss of interest in socializing. Maybe they become a little bit more emotionally sensitive or there's some irritability. They might be feeling guilty for the divorce because mm-hmm. um, kids can internalize a lot of stuff. You might see some new destructive behaviors, maybe even health issues, and just kind of a loss of faith in a family unit, you know, and, yeah. and that can definitely affect them. Of course, there's a lot of positive though, too. Um, you, you know, the parents might be way more relaxed. And so they actually have a more relaxed household than they would have. They become more resilient, more adaptable to change, which is very helpful as you yes. age. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of it, a lot of people find that kids of divorce become more self-sufficient. Maybe they're on their own a little bit more than they would have been or whatever. They're playing by themselves more, whatever it might be. Um, you're also modeling behavior, depending on the cause of the divorce, modeling behavior for the kids that you don't have to settle if you're unhappy, you know, it's mm-hmm. okay to make changes and it's okay to want that for yourself. Um, time management, organizational skills, learning at a young age, cause you're going back and forth potentially yeah. between different households. There's a, there's so many positive things that come from it as well. So it's just, it's everything at once, yeah. you know? Yeah, it is. What are some specific things for you that you felt were negative impacts from being an adult child of divorce? Um, I think the biggest one is that it's, it's tough because, uh, I know logically I have more than one home, right? Like I have more than one home and more than one place where people love me, Mm -hmm. but there is a feeling of having no true home. Um, no matter whose home you're at, you're missing something or somebody. Um, and so I know for me as an adult, if things are not uh, as great as they can be at the home that I've created with Cam, mm-hmm. I really feel that I think maybe even harder than he does oh. uh, as somebody, he does not come from divorce. So yeah. I, I kind of go back to feeling like I'm floating around with no home again, no true home. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the biggest one that I've noticed um, not feeling fully I don't know, at peace or even fully comfortable sometimes. Yeah. Um, And there's nothing that my parents can really do to make that better. You know, they've done the best they can. It's it's just, it's not a fixable thing. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Kels? Is there like something that's like been the biggest one for you? Yeah, I think... Probably the standout negative is that I am bad with boundaries and I've gotten better in recent years, but it is still something I really struggle with. I have a hard time standing up for myself. Um, And I think if you go through divorce as a child and there's a custody agreement where it is court ordered that you will be spending an allotted amount of time with one parent at one house and then an allotted amount of time with the other one. Yeah. You, you get a message from a young age that what you want doesn't really matter. And I think you kind of lose the opportunity to 
set boundaries for yourself because they're being set for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was, there was an element of guilt from one of my parents in the divorce of feeling like, because it was their choice to go through with the divorce and they could see the negative impact it was having on me. I think there was a level of like, I, it's too painful to hear how she's feeling. It's too painful to see that she's unhappy. So I also felt like I wasn't really allowed to show that I was unhappy. And I think it creates this identity of like, you aren't really tapped into your own intuition. You're not learning how to build those gut instincts because you're just being told, well, you have to, it doesn't matter if you don't want to go to that house. The court is making you go to that house. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 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 And it's weird how that translates into being an adult and having a hard time expressing what your needs are or feeling like if you do that, you're going to hurt somebody or be a burden. Yes. Oh, I resonate with that so much. I actually read something at some point that uh, children of divorce can become people pleasers. A, they like what you just said. (laughs) That's a big reason. Um, also seeing their parents maybe in pain through a divorce, not wanting to hurt their feelings even more, but also because kids, depending on the age, can internalize, well, if they stopped loving each other, they could also stop loving me. So I don't want to make uh, my parents unhappy because what if they divorce me? Now, logically, even if your parents telling you that that cannot happen, it's so different. It's such a different type of love. Yeah, kids... Yeah you know, that they might be feeling a certain way without even realizing that that's what they're feeling. So they start people pleasing with each parent. Um, Yes. Hoping not to be cut out of the family unit. Um, I thought like, holy shit, that would, that would not even be on my radar, but that makes so much sense as a little kid who's not understanding all these different things. And like you said, Kels, it's like the, uh, the going back and forth, if, if that was part of your situation, there's also such different, there were such different rules in my two different households and different ways of being and yes. whatever, different structures that. Oh my God. Yes. Right. <laughs> so Dude, different. 180. It's like, <laughs> I didn't even re I didn't, it took me a long time to figure out how I liked things because I just had different rules that I, that, you know, yes. back and forth all the time that I think it can be hard to tap into who am I naturally? What are my natural habits and tendencies because I don't really know where I feel like if you have um, one household kind of your whole life or something, I think it's maybe easier to see what your kids are naturally like, Yeah, but it's more going back and forth. I don't know. So yeah, it's like trying to run a test, like have a science experiment without a constant. Right, right. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. I relate so hard with the going back and forth and how different. And I think you and I have discussed this just in our friendship off yeah. the show. Um, yeah. That, you know, at, at my dad's house, it was very, very strict. It was, there were so many rules. It was, it just had more of like a militant vibe. It was, it was much more strict. And then my mom was the most lenient. I mean, we had a candy drawer for fuck's sake. It was like, 
I, I asked my mom if she could go to the movies when I wanted to lose my virginity. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that's a very, very unconventional yeah. relationship to have with a parent where it just, it was not just a lack of rules, but it was a lot of trust. She made my brother and I feel like we were capable of making good decisions and yeah. we were good kids. So that reinforced it in a, in a positive way. But anyway, I mean, it was that was crazy to go back and forth three times a week from those two households that right. were polar opposites. It's like, how do you make a comedian like that? I mean, that's right. the fucking step by step brownie mix kit yes. of here, <laughs> add this, right. stir this, and you're gonna get somebody who's a little some kind of recipe. <laughs> yeah, because this is yeah, this isn't a normal way to be raised. Right. It's, it's really, it makes me wonder, and I should ask my dad this, my dad is a child of divorce, but his dad kind of left and didn't come back into the picture. So he still, he had one home. He didn't go back and forth. So yeah. I'm so curious to know like what the difference is between people who had, be, had now more than one home. They're going back and forth between, no, you have that same home, but that home feels very different now. Yeah. And what the, I don't know, I guess maybe the differences and impact that might have. Um, how old yeah. were you when your parents got divorced? I was six. Okay. How about yeah. you? I was three. Oh, wow. Okay. So you have like memories, right? Of them being together. I and do. What is that like? Were they good ones? Were they, can you look back and understand if they were unhappy? I don't, that's such an interesting age to be at. Yeah. And I think this does fall into that the pros column of when you can see that there's something not working and you wouldn't mm -hmm. want to continue to be in that environment where these two people aren't getting along. Um, yeah. I don't actually have a ton of memories of my parents being together, like me at home with both of my parents because they worked opposite schedules. So mm -hmm. my mom would teach during the day and my dad would be home with me. And then my mom would come home and then my dad would go work at night. And, okay. but the, I have a, you know, I have a few memories of them fighting and me standing in between them as a, you know, five-year-old saying, stop fighting, right. stop. And that's like heartbreak. It's horrible. You don't right. want to go through that when you're little. So to think about if that sort of a thing had continued that's right. also not a healthy environment to be in. So it's a little bit right. like pick your poison, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Cause yeah, six, I mean, six years old, you have, you have some memory. Like I only have one memory of my parents being together wow. uh, as a little tiny kid and it was a fight. So uh, I'm maybe, yeah. I'm sure there was other memories, but that's the only one I remember is like being at the top of the stairs, they were arguing and they told me to go in my room for a few minutes, kind of a thing until they were yeah. done. So that's so I'm like, oh, probably a good thing they got divorced. That's the only memory I have. So who right. knows? Like, um, and I can't even believe I have a memory from that being that little. But I mean, yeah, between three and four, they they, you know, the divorce was finalized, I think, and all that stuff. So um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. And I think um I think if both parents become happier, you know, and then you have two ha happy households instead of one kind of unhappy one, 
that's great. But a lot of people are also in a situation where one household becomes happy and one doesn't. Yeah. And then one of the parents doesn't really know what might be going on in the other household. And that's a whole nother can of worms, right? So it's like every, even the, the new normal is so different for everybody because they could have two unhappy households. They could have two really happy ones. They could have one of each. They get, you know, it's, it's just, um, it's such a complex situation all around. Right. And I, I would be curious to know what the statistics are on not just the amount of people who get divorced. I mean, I know it's over 50%, but when they get divorced, not necessarily how long into the relationship, but if it's like after having kids, because just within my own life, you know, friends, family, I've seen a lot of divorce happen after they have kids. And I, I think it's interesting. We're talking about if you go through divorce as a child and then one household is completely different from the other one. Yeah. I think a bigger reason why people get divorced after they have kids is because they start to realize that the other person's parenting style is completely different from right. their own. And that's not really something, I think it's something that couples who are about to have kids can have discussions about and have a plan. But yeah. I also think sometimes you go into wanting to have kids and be like, well, I'm going to do this as a parent. I'm going to do this. And then I hear a lot of the time that people are just like fucking exhausted, right? right. Where it's like, right. yeah, we're going to be really careful about monitoring screen time and stuff like this. And then you have kids and you're like, I can have the candy bar and watch the TV for a second. Cause I'm right. I'm losing it. But right. I can see in my parents, how maybe there was some of that going on. I'm I'm sure there was some of that going on where like the parenting styles were just very different. And then I think once they were not together anymore, they had even more freedom to be how they felt was the right way to parent. And those ultimately were two very, very different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, gosh, it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I've, I've seen it. I've, I've been, I yeah. have three younger siblings. There was always babies in the house. I've seen how much work it is. And, you know, before kids, there is just naturally more time and energy and attention that you can give each other yeah. after kids. It's all about making sure the kids are okay. So adding stress, like h- how, how can you maintain that connection as partners when you have so much more on your plate now, I mean, that's really challenging. I mean, Cam and I just have two dogs and it's exhausting to find time to whatever connect sometimes and all that stuff. I can't even imagine with a house full of kids, what that is like. And, um, I'm similar to you, Kels. Like I would say most of the divorces, if not a majority. Yeah. I think a majority of them, um, from my life happened post kids. I've seen it after kids. And of course that's affected how I think about having kids in my own life. Right. Like I don't want children. I'm sure I got a million reasons why I don't want them, but I'm sure one little sliver is subconsciously thinking, well, I don't want to, I don't want to get divorced and I don't want an unhappy marriage. So I don't want kids. Right. Like it's just an automatic thing. Kids equal divorce or being unhappy in your relationship very sad to say that, but that is one tiny little minute sliver in my pie of why I don't want kids. 1000% feel the same way. I mean, that would be, I think, unusual if we didn't have that sliver after seeing our parents go through it after having us. 
Exactly. And because I can't go live with other couples who say that they're happy, happily married with children, I can't live with you for X amount of years. I don't know if that's true. Mm -hmm. I, I, I only know what I've lived with. Right. And we only see the Instagram version of these right. relationships and it's, right. I don't know. It's yeah. hard that there, there is only so much time in the day. And if you have kids, that is, especially young kids, it's like you have to pour it into your children. And so it doesn't leave much time for you and your partner. And, right. and we're saying this as people without kids. I, I can't even yeah. imagine how much more strongly people feel about it when they have them. Totally. And it's really hard because I mean, I saw my, my dad remarried to my stepmom. They had three children. I love let's talk about positives that came out of a divorce. I love my siblings. They're my best friends. Like I'm so, mm -hmm. so grateful to have them. Mm -hmm. And I see that they have a really great marriage, but because there's so much evidence on the other side, I'm like, well, that's just one example. I got all these other examples <laughs> over here that, yeah. you know, people have kids and then shit goes awry. You know, yes. so it's like, even though they, they're a really wonderful example, I don't trust that that's the norm. I trust that I, that's like the exception for me in a way. So yes. it's the, both things can exist. I have this glaring example of how it can work, but I got all these other ones that are just a little bit louder, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. I, I hear that so, so much. Do you find too, and I will say, I don't struggle with this so much anymore, but I did for the majority of my adult life so far do yeah. you feel that because of the divorce that it gave you some potentially lower self-confidence or there was an uh, maybe even if it's subconscious a level of blaming yourself for your parents divorce and then feeling like you aren't able to ask for the things you need in a relationship oh that's such a good question um I think for me, the guilt that I had potentially stems from now that my parents were having to be financially independent instead of having a household with two incomes, mm -hmm. they had to make money and therefore potentially uh, couldn't follow their dreams in the same way. Even I don't know if they would have together, but yeah. I'm like hyper aware that they had to uh prioritize making money over maybe fulfillment in their jobs. And I think that's why I am so dead set on being happy in my work oh. because a, I don't want to be unhappy in my work because that's not a nice way to live. But B, I feel like if I'm not happy with my work, then their sacrifice kind of meant nothing. Oh, wow. So I think that's really deeply Oof. rooted. I know Jesus, what a lot of weight on your shoulders to carry around. <laughs> yeah, just carrying all this around in a suitcase like I did <laughs> back in the day, going back and forth. Um, <laughs> what about you? Else? We still got her invisible suitcase. Oh shit! <laughs> shit, I forgot my pink teddy bear. I guess I have to get another one for the second house. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I've I know I've mentioned it on the show at least a few times about how the messaging that I took away when I was a kid of um, of my dad in particular being willing to not, you know, not be a part of the family in a normal way, like wanting divorce, starting a new marriage with somebody else. And that meant that he wouldn't see me as much anymore. We wouldn't live no. together under the same roof full time the way we did 
the rest of my life before that. And so the messaging I took from that, which I think is common with like a little girl and her dad is that you aren't worth being around. You're like, you're only worth loving Mm part-time and that message, which I know now as an adult is not that, that is not logical. Right. You don't want your parents to stay together if it's not the right fit. Right. But when you're a little kid, it's like you you don't know those things yet. And that messaging does stay with you for a really long time. So I I know that I let things happen in previous relationships that I shouldn't have let happen because yeah. that was my baseline was like, well, you're not worth being loved the, the full way you should be. Yeah. So if you are treated poorly in any way this makes sense because this right. is like what your first male figure in your life has told you essentially. And I mean, not like he would ever say that, but just in right, the actions right, right. of leaving. Right. That's how you internalize that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, yes. I think there is uh natural abandonment issues that can stem from this, even if you're not actually being abandoned. You know, it's like, right. They're still there, but they're just in a different location or, and you're going back and forth, whatever it might be. But, um, yeah, I, God, I, I just honestly realized this very recently that, um, I've been okay with getting somebody's interrupted attention, right? Like having, mm-hmm. having a man's undivided attention, uh, has felt uncomfortable in the past without me realizing it has felt yeah not normal even dangerous potentially um and so I have been fine with crumbs of attention like you hey give me a hot 90 seconds that's good that's good enough for me and I can move on about my day so this is something I'm working on you know in my own marriage because I didn't realize that I was doing that or okay with that and potentially even emotionally closed off myself because I don't know what that really looked like consistently. So, yeah. and again, it's not anything anybody did on purpose, but I think as a father daughter relationship, you want, you want a lot of attention from your dad, you know, like, yeah. I think it's more, I don't, I got a lot of attention from my mom and all that stuff, which is great. But when it comes to me being, you know, in relationships with men, I'm attracted to men. The only example I have is what did it look like as the attention and emotional connection of me and my dad. And it was kind of felt scattered because a, I lived with my mom primarily. Um, my dad had three younger children. And so sometimes he really only could give me 30 seconds of time because there was two babies crying that needed to be fed or this or that. Mm. So I had a lot of sporadic attention and didn't realize it until literally within the last few weeks when uh, Cam and I were having an, you know, a, a deep conversation for a really long time. And I would say about an hour into the conversation, I felt really uncomfortable and really unworthy of him talking to me for that long. Wow. And so I told him, like, I feel really weird right now. I feel so unworthy that you're talking to me for this long. What the fuck is going on here? Yeah. This is really weird. Yeah. Um, and so I had to think about like, where, where does that, that come from? And I was able to like pinpoint it. And again, it's, it's, everybody was doing the best that they could. Nobody was doing that on purpose or whatever. And there's probably a 
lot of, of times that I did have undivided attention from my dad, but the things that felt more prominent were the sporadic attention. Yes. So that's what sticks out to me. Of course, there's probably a lot of other stuff, but your mind remembers the things that maybe are not the most positive. So you can avoid that right going forward. But yeah, right. that was a big, uh, big aha moment, even as a 33 year old. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? How yes, your relationship with your dad, you're so right. How directly that correlates to your romantic relationships with men as adults. It's like, right. that makes complete sense to me that you would feel unworthy then of somebody paying attention to you for long periods of time, because right. I think the way your dad interacts with you as a child becomes part of your identity because it's like those are the primary people that are reflecting back to you who you are what you deserve what you need to survive basically and so I think if you're given less than that and you survive you're just like well this this is how life is and if it's more than that you're like whoa what you almost can't even imagine (laughs) like that's no really until being in this relationship with chad was i like oh the it is okay to to be loved full time and without like large problems within the relationship right right you know yes yes it's really wild how long it can take to undo some of that stuff Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yeah. And I realized in my past relationships or past, you know, dating people, uh, if somebody was giving me their undivided attention and they were emotionally connected and like really present with me, mm-hmm. I kind of wrote off that maybe there was something wrong with them and that I yeah. should not date them further. Right. Wow. Maybe they're, yeah. Maybe they're a little too clingy or too into me or something. Mm-hmm. Not what that's not what was going on. They were being emotionally mature, (laughs) you know? And so I'm like, wow, I could see how you could continue some really shitty cycles without realizing that you're doing it. Um, and not realizing it's a problem. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Big, big impact. How has there been any other ways that you have noticed that you know, being a child of divorce has impacted your current romantic relationship? Well, or past relationships, anything? 
you know what I was just saying about now I understand what a relationship can be. Yeah. And that I think it's hard to even, (laughs) unless you've experienced it, then you just still think it's going to be a different way. Right. I think for me, the difference in this relationship started actually before the relationship started. And that was that I had to do the work in myself to actually believe that I deserved to be loved in, in the way that I wanted to be. Yeah. Because I think, I think if you don't know it, it's all that like woo woo shit where you are going to keep attracting right. the sort of relationships that meet you where you are. Right. So if I look back on past relationships where it didn't feel like it was the, the best a relationship could be because I thought I only deserved a a certain way of being loved in a relationship. I also like, I was creating problems then in the relationship because then I was becoming resentful. And then, you know, that resentment comes out in other ways. It's like, it's such a, corny thing but it really you you do have to start with yourself you do have to make sure that you actually believe that those messages from your childhood and and being a child of divorce and stuff like that is not true about you right right how did you you do that Kels like what were some of the things that you did on your own to flip those scripts that you noticed that you had you know good therapy yeah love a good therapist and being corny with myself, I know I've talked about making lists of what you want in a partner, what your needs are in a partner, and yeah. that when I made that list, I also made a list of of positive qualities of myself. And I know we've, I think we've talked about it on here, right? That like, I think it's, you you have to know what you're bringing to the table too, so that sometimes you can get rid of that imposter syndrome. And be like, yeah, this is the things I'm asking for in a partner actually make sense because yeah. I feel that I've done the work on myself that I feel confident I can bring these same things to a relationship. So right. right. All the things that people tell you to do that are corny, like um saying I love you to yourself in a mirror or yeah. uh journaling, those sort of things. I was so resistant to doing them because I was like, this is I, I don't know why I was like, nobody's watching. Nobody's in here watching you learn how to love yourself. Like, right, right. You don't have to be embarrassed, but I was so embarrassed. I thought it was so uncool of me to have a good relationship with myself. And maybe that's toxic stuff from being a comedian that it's like a lot of comedy, a lot of material comes from self loathing and being yes. cynical. And so yeah. you think if you are a positive, ha- like love, loving, love yourself person that you're going to run out of funny or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I, no, I had to let that go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um, I'm curious about this for you. Um, I think my overachievement, perfectionism, all of that, a lot of it can stem from this where, yeah. well, when I do good stuff in school, when I do good stuff in sports, when I get awards, I get attention from both of my parents, you know, I Mm -hmm. get love and attention from both my parents. Um, 
does, do you feel like there's a big connection for you with the, the way that you overachieved growing up? With oh, that? for sure. I will yeah. say I was really lucky in that even though my parents' divorce sucked, I have felt loved unconditionally by both of my parents, which is, I mean, God, what a fucking luxury. The yeah. older you get and you hear about your partner's relationships with their parents or friends' relationships with your parents. And like, if you have two parents who love you, you hit the jackpot. Yeah. Like that is unfortunately not a given in this life. And that is so, it's so devastating. Those sort of stories. Oh my God. They upset me so much. Uh, So yeah, I, I did feel loved, but I do feel like both of my parents just are high achieving people who set a precedent very young for me of like, Mm -hmm. it's like, you should be striving for the best grades and yeah, just being the best you can. But I think also that's who I was anyway, was that I wanted to try to do my best. Right. Yeah. I, uh, a big positive that came out of the divorce is like, now I have four parents, both my parents remarried. So I have step parents who love me as well. Yeah. So it's like, that was great. Also could, it was overwhelming growing up because it was like playing a fucking game of telephone. Every time you had some a news to share, it's like you had to call four different oh people my God. Yeah. or tell one person to tell all of them, you know, all that kind of <laughs> stuff where they'd have different reactions about different things. Um, but I think the overachieving, I knew, I knew it made them happy and maybe it made them happy. And of course they were there for me when I was sad and stuff too. It wasn't like, yeah. I had to achieve to get love, but I think maybe it made them happy because they were like, oh, we didn't fuck our daughter up too bad. You know what I mean? Oh, oh she's doing yeah. really well in school. Oh, she's doing this. Like our divorce was, it's going to be okay. You know? Interesting. She's not super fucked. Right. <laughs> but I'm like, oh my God, I became such a big perfectionist and big overachiever to like, when I'm just like doing like the bare minimum or basic stuff or just a decent job or even a good job, I feel like I'm failing, you know? So I've had to do a lot of work with like, yeah, I'm allowed to just like be, yeah, have to be performing all the time or what in, in any aspect. Yeah. That's fascinating. Another thing that I think is a positive of being an adult child of divorce is, and, and you echoed this a little bit in, your first quote about nobody's died from divorce yeah but I think it it kind of shatters that which this sounds unromantic but it shatters the illusion of marriage a little bit where Mm. yes like if you get married you do hope it's forever but if it's not working it shows you that you can get divorced and that life will go on right um Chad was actually the one who brought that up today I was telling him we're gonna do this episode and he was like yeah that's that's like a big thing for me is that I feel like it it gives kids the opportunity to know that they can make choices for themselves yeah whereas and this of course isn't always the case but I feel like I've seen examples in my life of people whose parents are not divorced but they probably should be divorced they've been very unhappy outwardly for like a very long time and then you can see the trickle down a little bit into that person's relationship where like I've seen people in my life stay in relationships that maybe they shouldn't right I don't know 
again, we can't see into everybody's day-to-day lives, mm-hmm. but outwardly you're like, mm, not so sure about this. But because their parents wouldn't give in, wouldn't get divorced, are going to stick it through until the day they die. Yeah. I think it sends a message that it's just like, no matter what, you don't get divorced. And listen, as somebody on the show who has been divorced, I, I am a believer of like, if that is not the relationship that is the right fit anymore, right. it's okay. Like it's right. Exactly. We say life. Yeah. We say life is short, but we also hope that life is long. Right. So yes, you want to be in a relationship that you feel like is, is the right fit for the rest of your life. Oh my God. Yes. I feel like if you are too far at either end of that spectrum, it's a problem and trying to find that happy medium, right? If you're the first to run at any site or any sign of issue, that's going to be a continuing issue. If you are willing to stay, no matter what is going on, that's going to be an issue. So like, what's that happy medium of like, okay, when will I know that I've exhausted all options if things aren't working? And what is my, what is my wall? You know, what is the wall that I would have to hit to be like, okay, I've tried everything. This is not a failed relationship because we tried and now I'm ready to move on. You know, like what would that be for, for you if you are in a marriage? And yeah, um, yeah, I totally agree. It's like, it's interesting the, how big a role the examples in your life play sometimes without you even know, uh, realizing it. What is that quote? Like people will reach for the furthest example that they're given. They'll, they'll reach as high, they'll reach as high as the best example they're given. So if you're not given a whole lot of variety or you're not given the the healthiest examples, you just don't even know what's even possible for you. And you have to actually do a lot of conscientious work to expose yourself to new things, new ideas, new ways of being, new relationships, new jobs, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, brain is fascinating. (laughs) That's exactly what I was talking about where it's like, I didn't even it's like I wouldn't even let myself imagine what it would look like to be in a really healthy relationship. Right. Because I didn't, I just didn't know. And that's what I was talking about too with buying a house. Chad right. and I have been in this process of, of buying a house. And if you have been in apartments your whole life, it's hard to even let yourself go there and picture what it would look like to be a homeowner because you just don't, you haven't done it yet. So. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Um, I think also the, uh, having control over my stuff is very important as a child of divorce. I was, you know, had two different homes, you know, feeling spread out, feeling like you had your things all over the place. Um, when I became an adult and I had like my first, apartment or whatever that I could put all my stuff in, or I could just look at all my stuff in one place. Yeah. I, oh my God, it it felt like ecstasy. It felt like, wow, everything I own is here. That's fucking weird. And, um, uh, that's, I don't know. I think some of my minimalistic tendencies or just how I curate my things, what I keep, what I don't keep. Mm. I think a lot of it is that feeling like I didn't have control over where my belongings were. Yeah. So weird. So, so deeply rooted. 
Yeah. You know what? I meant to say sooner too, you brought this up at the beginning of the episode talking about, I think you were listing from the article of the possible negatives and that it can affect your sense of family of like what you consider a family unit and the importance of that. And that has, until you said that, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense because it's something I've noticed in myself my whole life. And I've been like, why don't, why, why isn't this a thing for me? My friends whose parents are not divorced, they have very, very strong family units, like their extended family. They're very, very okay. close with their cousins. They're very close with their aunts, their grandparents. There's a lot of family functions because from such a young age, that was broken up for me. Right. I think I, it's what you said. I lost faith in this idea of family and it's right. been more just like I, I'm spending my time with the people that I love, but like, I if I don't connect with a family member, that doesn't. I, I'm not one of those people that's like blood is thicker than water, right? Like if right. I don't connect with you, then what are we doing? I, I right. we don't need to force ourselves to. I, I just don't. I, I don't know. Does that make sense? Oh, totally makes sense. Yes. Yes. Um, you mentioned like gather gatherings, stuff like that. How did you feel about family holidays with more than one home as well? Like, did you enjoy having that? Was it stressful? Like, do you remember your feelings about that growing up? Yeah, it, that was a big pro and con thing. Of course, when you're a kid, you're like, yeah, four Christmases. Fuck Fuck yeah. You know, you're like (laughs) stoked for more presents and, you know, superficial shit like that. But Yeah. yeah, it. Again, you feel, especially if a lot of your friends did not come from divorce, I felt just kind of like an oddball. My friends would get to have a very traditional Christmas, and mine was like, my mom and brother and I are going to Red Lobster on Christmas Eve because (laughs) we have to make our own weird tradition, and then I'll go do Christmas Day with my dad. It, 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 I think it can take away from tradition in a lot of ways like the traditions of a family the traditions of a holiday it pokes holes in it a little bit and I think it makes you kind of cynical as a kid where you're like oh anybody can do anything I guess yeah oh so weird it's it's really weird um because your brother is is your full biological brother right Kels yeah I have a younger brother and then I have a stepsister and a half brother Okay, interesting. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm curious to know your thoughts on this because for me, uh, all of my siblings are half siblings. We have the same dad, different moms, mm-hmm. and so I am the only child between my my biological parents. And so having siblings um, and watching them have a such a different upbringing to me mm-hmm. was very weird. And yeah. had a, I had a lot of feelings across the board around it growing up, not realizing that's what I was experiencing also. But it's like, yeah. it's weird to be in the same household with my family, like on that side of the family and being part of the family, but also having very different <laughs> upbringings at the same time. Like, like my siblings, their parents are still together. That is so weird to me oh. because I go over there and mine are not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So watching what a 
family, like that kind of family unit watching that happen because now my siblings are 21, 20 and 17. They're all adults. Yeah. Um, that was, it felt kind of like, you can kind of feel like you are on the outside looking in, even if you're part of the family, you feel like a little bit of an outsider. Yes. And this is not based on how much they love me or anything. Again, there's nothing that anybody can do to take this yeah. away. Yeah. Um, but that is a really weird situation. Yeah. The sort of mixed families when you are yeah. just put together like a Frankenstein right. stuffed yeah. animal yeah. where it's like, okay, we've got this mom who's that person's mom, but not that person's mom. And we've got this person who's got this dad, but not that. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I think it does really affect all those sort of things that you're talking about. It's it's wild. One last thing for me that is, I think, a positive uh, of being an adult child of divorce is that you learn that your parents are just people too. Yes. Yeah. And maybe even if you don't have parents who are divorced, you do learn that at some point regardless. Maybe everybody learns that. But I think especially when you see your parents maybe make a mistake or not handle something in a way that they wish they could go back and and do differently it's uh you're like all right well you hold these people up on pedestals because they're your parents and then I think you yourself get older and you see them more like I will always see my parents as my parents but you once you're also an adult you understand how hard life can be as an adult and you go, all right, well, you know, I wish you had done some of those things differently, but you're not, you're not the superhero that I made you to be in my mind as a child, which I think is pretty common for kids. They think their parents are not people. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. They definitely become more human Mm -hmm. (laughs) earlier on, I guess, I guess, depending on when, the divorce happened. I know now being in my own marriage, I get things so much more than I did growing up. You know, Mm -hmm. I was very like, kind of, I don't know if flippant is the right word, but like, I don't, if people aren't happy, just leave. Or if people are, yeah, just stay. Like, I don't, not that, not that hard. Right. Right. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, this makes a lot of sense. Like I get all aspects of it now. I get why people stay. I get why people go. I get why people don't want to work on things. I get why people do. It's just so interesting. And um, I think another one for me that I would want to leave people with is um, really trying your best. Nobody's perfect, but really trying your best not to project the feelings that you have about your former spouse onto your kids or accidentally let them get in the middle of something or be a messenger of any kind. Um, you think it's something that's kind of simple or not so bad, but like it, it can be very hard and it could be yeah. very damaging. Um, and even if it's not, it's, you have your best, you know, you have the kid's interests at heart. Like, even if you say something that's not so nice about the other parent to them or around them without them realizing that kid could internalize it as you don't like my other parent therefore you don't like a part of me oh you know and and you don't even realize that that's maybe happening and they might not even not even realizing that that's being internalized but 
there's this like, kind of like what you said of like, you're kind of half loved or whatever that feeling of like being half loved. Um, and I know that if I, if I became aware of my parents' feelings about each other or the situation, it definitely affected how I acted Yeah, and therefore became hard to figure out what my authentic feelings were about everything. So if I knew that a parent was upset with the other, I felt bad spending time with that other parent. I felt guilty. I felt like I was in trouble. I felt like I shouldn't be allowed to. I didn't want to tell the other parent that I had fun over there, whatever. It oh might my be. God. Yeah. I avoided the other parent because I didn't want to hurt the other parent's feeling. I mean, Ugh. your kid is just might be considering so many decisions that you don't, you're not even aware of potentially if you haven't gone, you know, been a child of divorce of like, if I tell this parent, this piece of information first, is that going to upset the other parent that they didn't hear about it first? Like all that is a lot. Um, also having step parents, I became aware at a young age that, you know, becoming a step parent might not have been those people's first choices when they thought of their ideal family. Yeah. Right. So it's like, when you think about like your dream person, you might not be picturing somebody who already has had a marriage and a child or multiple children. <laughs> you might be thinking of this, just this single person out there. That's you're going to be single. We're going to be single together. Where are we going to be? And so becoming aware that I wasn't part of the ideal package was, I internalized that even too. So yes. it's just so, it's so many layers. And I think just the communication with your kid is the most important thing because they're not going to fucking tell you as a little kid yeah, how they're feeling or what they're, they don't even know what they're feeling quite yet until they're maybe 33 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's one thing I wish I've been really impressed with Chad in his relationship with his kids. He has, it sounds like always been very encouraging with them of like, tell me how you're feeling. Even if it's stuff that you think is going to hurt my feelings, I can take it. I can handle it. Like I, I would rather have you tell me how you're feeling honestly. And I think that's so healthy and such a luxury because I wish I would have had that. You know, I think that could have helped in so many ways. Right. And it's funny what you're saying about the negatives that you felt of being a stepchild and being aware of like, oh, this isn't maybe what my step-parent would have wanted in their life. I have now swapped roles in certain right. ways where like, oh, I, yeah, I when I was picturing my <laughs> dream man, my dream relationship or whatever, you don't yeah. add in, it's like the Barbie house where it's like you don't picture like the stepkids coming in right. in the kitchen as well. You're like, oh, I didn't, right. I didn't know this came in this, <laughs> little barbie dream house (laughs) you know what i mean and so that's been like i mean this year has been so much of a learning curve for me with being in that stepmom role Mm -hmm. with his kids and understanding that like i did not have a good relationship with my stepmom for decades for a really long time and i um I guess in this situation, I'm grateful to have the perspective that I do where I'm like, I am also not part of his kids 
dream vision of their life. Right, right. They would have never. Yeah, Yeah. your kids, kids don't hope for their parents to be divorced. And then I just think it is weird for anybody to see their parent with somebody that is not their other parent. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I, I have a great relationship with both of his kids, but there was definitely a, a period of time where it's like, you're all getting comfortable. You're adjusting to this weird new normal for everybody. Everybody's like, okay, like this is our new Frankenstein yeah. thing when we're together. It's like, we have to figure each other out. Yes. So. Oh my gosh. God, we're just like real adults now, huh? I got it, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I... So interesting. Yeah. Anyway, crazy. Wow. Wow. Well, we hope that, you know, whatever your family looks like, you are enjoying that smoothie of a blended family <laughs> and uh, navigating it. Maybe there's boba in there. Maybe maybe not. You know, whatever. We're, hopefully you're navigating it uh, the best way you can. And like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting, but overall I feel good. Yeah. I would say like as where my life is, who my family is, like you know. Yeah. It's the gray, I, it's the gray area. It's the gray area. I definitely feel the best I've ever felt in terms of like feeling self-aware and being at peace with you know, my parents' divorce and stuff like that and just Yeah just accepting it but uh we have an itunes review of the episode this is from christina peace and love and they say thank you love it thank you so much this is exactly what we're talking about where it's like if you've got two seconds right you can you can say four words and it still helps us so much it helps the the itunes algorithm it it makes us feel nice we love connecting with you guys and yeah just thank you for taking the time christina thanks christina you're the best much yes. appreciate. Much appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, do you have any uh, segments, Kels? Any plugs, hot wrecks, good shits, anything like this? I I just wanted to say a quick thing that I think could become we could do an actual episode about. Yeah, and that is PMS versus PMDD. Oh, interesting. Do you know much about PMDD? I think I had it at one point. I don't know. I, I was okay. the person that would have really bad ones that I'd have to call out sick from school sometimes because they were so bad. Wow. Like yeah. leading up to your period? Um, No. F- I used to have my period like every three months and they would last seven to 10 days and they would be excruciating. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what that is. I, now I don't have that and I'm not on any kind of birth control or anything. So I'm, I'm self-regulating. My body is doing its thing and it's not like that anymore. So, okay. So I don't know if that's the same thing. I've, I've been looking either. into a lot. So PM, PMDD is premenstrual, I think, dysphoric disorder, dysphoric disorder, something like that, as yeah. opposed to PMS. And so it's focusing more on like the days leading up to your period. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I think what you were going through is different. Okay. I could be wrong, but it's more like typical PMS. It's like, you can kind of feel that you're in that a little bit of a slump, irritable, whatever. PMDD, it's like a a very noticeable change in your emotions for those days leading up to your period. Oh, Um, interesting. I need to learn about that. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I think we could do. I think we could do an episode on it because it's something I, I just keep seeing it pop up more and more. PMDD things, and yeah. I've definitely been feeling some differences in my PMS in recent times. And actually, just had a therapy session and was talking about it, and she's like, "Yeah, but it sounds like it could be that." And oh, it yeah. is a real motherfucker. So anyway, I thought we could probably do an episode about that soon. Definitely. I'm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How um, about you? Uh, I would say uh, good shit and the fuck combo right now is mm. um, Cam and I are in couples therapy and it is truly changing our lives right now. Wow. Um, so I, I had been in individual therapy before I've gotten a lot out of that, but man, there is just something about couples therapy that makes me so much more open and honest and I feel like significant changes. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to share that with people because, you know, whether you're going through a rough patch or not, or you foresee that if things continue, that it could be a a tough time. Um, I cannot recommend that enough. Um, finding a really great couples therapist who really can help you navigate some things, but, um, yeah, so it's like, it's hard, but it's also incredibly rewarding and, can't you know cam gave me permission to share that so i'm not like sharing a big secret yeah yeah said um you know he went from somebody that never thought he needed therapy never wanted to do it to oh my god this has changed my life saved my life so if you are in a relationship like that i don't know maybe just even listening to this and me sharing that might help you take a step and um make your relationship really like that much stronger or prevent a lot of issues from happening. But um, yeah, we're kind of just like blown away. We kind of have like a, a brand new relationship at the moment because of it. So yeah. Just want to share that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we here on the podcast will obviously respect your privacy, but anything you want to share in, you know, upcoming weeks, months, we're here for it we have talked about it there's definitely some things that you know depending on how everything goes uh we would love to share with all of you that we think could help a lot of couples and like save a lot of marriages and save a lot of people so yeah we're definitely talking about that and he's the one who brought it up he's like i feel like people could be helped by this and maybe we can episode about it at some point so yeah that's so who knows? We'll, we'll see. TBD, yeah. but it's definitely something that we both would like to do when we are uh, at a more healed po- point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, see you in Minneapolis this weekend and Cleveland after that. So many other things. Kelsey.com for tickets. Fabulous. DelaneyFisher.com for uh, Career Crush, the, the free private podcast. Yay. Okay, guys. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Self-Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. Yeah.